Well, it's quarter past eight on Sunday night. Uh, we've just watched the FA Cup semi-final. Uh, That's it, pod over. Yeah, see you next week, yeah, fellas. I mean, <laughs> Me and, me and Tom tried to persuade Ed that we should pretend that we'd lost the recording of this, but he's like, nope. No, we, I don't think we, we have always to. Podcast. It's not so bad that we have to become the Come On You Spurs podcast. <laughs> no, nowhere near. I mean, I actually think there are very few meaningful takeaways from this game whatsoever. I think this game almost exists in a bubble. I hope so. Onto its, I hope yeah. there isn't a knock-on effect of injuries, tiredness, loss of confidence. I mean, because we've come off... To, and I mean, look, I, I agree with you, but I'm just going to make a slight counterfactual argument, which is to say we've come off two games which, in which the performance level dipped somewhat. Southampton, yeah. as we said, Southampton controlled the, the narrative of that game. Palace, good in moments, but not overall. I mean, good enough. Um, and, and now a really catastrophic defeat. And hopefully that isn't a sign. You know, you can, you can certainly tell a story that says... United are in trouble here. West Ham, old manager coming to Old Trafford on Wednesday. Players super tired. It's all set up for a a really bad defeat. I I just hope it's not that. I hope we can just put a bubble around this and say, manager changed the formation. Sure, he's doing it for reasons, but I kind of feel it just sucked all the momentum out of United and just said to Chelsea, hey, you know, we're here to defend um, which is what they were. <laughs> First five minutes, it looked like that. And and then they just were never, always playing catch up from there. Yeah, so I, I should say, like, the, to slightly contradict myself, when I say there's no meaningful takeaways from this game, I sort of mean uh, the long term. I, I'm very concerned about the next two games, but we'll come on to that in the second half of the show. So um, the the one thing that I would say does apply to the long term about this game was David De Gea doing what he did again. Um, as my friend Steve has just sent me a message saying, uh, like the the pundits or uh, possibly the commentator saying a bad day at the office for David De Gea. It's like it's it's not a bad day at the office for David De Gea. It's every fourth game or it's something. It's a day at the I mean, office. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And this is now. I don't know how we talk about the De Gea situation in any way other than this is maybe United's biggest single problem right now because. I mean, this has been going on for uh, 18 months. Maybe even two years. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe even two years and has been immensely costly to United. And I mean, would would either of us sit here hand on heart and say, we don't think this is going to happen as Jamie Vardy sort of like scuffs one in that he should from 18 yards that he should absolutely save. And then we don't get in the Champions League. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but... this is a massive problem look it's a massive problem players go through dips in form players lose confidence make mistakes as we've talked about many times uh bruno can give the ball away 17 times in a game and they make the game winning pass you know david de gea can't make a game winning save and then let one slip through his legs you know and and so the standards for keepers have to be much higher basically um, they can't make basic errors that other players can make and get away with it. Uh, and uh, and unfortunately, Dave can be like look perfectly competent and then basically chuck one in his own net. And I mean, the second one is just, I, I don't know if it's the worst 
he's made of his many errors in the, in the next two years, but it's definitely in the top one of two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I mean, I can't offhand think of a worse one. No, no, I mean, I can't. It's, it's just baby levels. It, I mean, it's not yeah. even a really cleanly struck shot. He's got down Absolutely to it, and not. I don't know. I don't know how it beats him. Uh, the first he has one, ages, he has ages to see it as well. That second one, like it's not like there's, there's. I mean, I say I, I couldn't have saved it. Obviously, I wouldn't have got down to it. But um, as a professional athlete, um, he he has. There's no reason the ball doesn't bobble oddly. It doesn't move strangely. There's no movement that you could have anticipated. He just does not put his arms far enough down and out. Like I, I'm. I feel really ridiculous criticising a person who is p- capable of the things that he's capable of for for doing something that I couldn't do this most basic version of. So that that aside, it's a staggering technical mistake. And it isn't, if he just did this and this was it, this was the only time he'd ever done it, you'd go, well, yeah, exactly like you said, the keepers are held to this very high standard. Their mistakes are incredibly costly. So we probably won't hammer him for this. But... But this is the pattern now when he's, I don't know, if it's when he's tired or when he feels under pressure or when whatever the reason is, this is... His standards are not once they want... what Let's try that again. Well, if only only that was the problem, that his standards aren't what they once were, it's that he's uh, making catastrophic technical errors regularly. Yeah, like funny, that. he wasn't given an error leading to goal on either either of those. Brandon Williams was for the second one, which is uh, <laughs> harsh, bad... harsh on the, the... Well, no, it was an error leading yeah, to a very goal. Bad. Um, I yeah. think there may have been an even bigger error in that one. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, let, let's talk about the... I, I mean, I, I briefly mentioned it, um, the formation. I, I, I understand why Ollie's gone back to this because it's the formation yeah. that we played to beat them at Stamford Bridge not all that long ago. Luke Shaw playing in the back three, Fred and Matic in midfield, I think, that day, and and so on. And and actually won pretty comfortably. You know, it wasn't just a, a negative performance. So I kind of get it, and he's trying to manage the tightness in the team. Um, I think the problem, though, is that you've, you've got a team that's built up all this momentum, and he's just chucked it in the bin. And I think he's just sent this message out to both his players and the opposition players that this is the United team on the back foot, given all the caveats. And and 48 hours more rest for Chelsea. I completely understand why he kind of thinks it might work, but um, I have to say I had a sick feeling in my stomach as soon as I saw it. Yeah, I mean, Lampard did the same thing. He yeah, rotated half his team and went to a back this three. They do fairly often, though. But, I mean, I know we used to do it too. Yeah. yeah, before lockdown, we were doing it regularly, like it was our kind of regular formation it's only this like recent run that we haven't and if you drop Martial Greenwood and Pogba then it's a bit like when Kevin Stroopman got injured and Van Hal switched the Dutch team in the build-up to the 2014 World Cup it's the the individuals that you lose mean you have to do something like if he hadn't changed the system we'd have been looking at a front three of Igalo, James and Rashford and a midfield three of Matic, Fred and Fernandez, and and a back four with Brandon Williams, who's not played since lockdown, uh, except maybe he did play against Norwich, I'm not sure, but, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't really started a game, a significant game, and a right back who's exhausted and, you know, all those kinds of things. So uh, you can understand why he wanted some extra security and extra cover. And very early in the game, like both uh, Lindelof and Bailly 
made kind of forward progressive runs and joined in in the final third and you know you thought maybe something was going to happen and Dan James was sort of frustrating as you as we expect and I don't think he needs another hammering for no reason really and we just hope he'll get better next season or whatever or in the next 18 months with the uh, um oh what's it going to be about 10 days of a summer they're going to get yes Bruno Bruno I thought looked better than he has done the last few games his touch looked kind of surer and um you know uh he clearly had to be the main man but we didn't create absolutely anything except for the pen I thought the the Martial one I thought that was a pen and then it was apparently it was outside the box where they made contact. It, it was, it yeah. We, I mean, we should talk about that, but maybe when, you know, in sequence, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, hardly any shots from United, hardly any any quality at all. Uh, and and very little possession, really, very little dangerous possession in in. In dangerous areas and and a lot of mistakes, just so many. You I know, mean, partly so because of many. concussion, partly because of concussion, right? Like Harry Maguire looked really ropey in that second half, and uh, to me, like the the one where he ran out with the ball and him and Matic got up in a muddle about the eighty fourth minute or something. To me, that just looked like the knock on effects of being smashed in the head twice in the first half. The bye injury was horrible. That was just horrible. And that was his second clash of heads. Uh, Greenwood got headbutted by Rudiger, so a lot of lot of concussion um, in that game. And I don't, I don't even know how you meaningfully analyse it. The, should we talk about the first goal then? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a it's a decent build up. When that that comes after the injury, by his injury, doesn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's in the sort of lengthy sort of injury time at the end of that. Of course, yeah. yeah. So, Bailly and and Maguire clash heads. So he got up and he went down again. It's just horrible. You're really worried for him at that stage because it's like yeah. something has kicked in. Um, the medical staff were obviously deeply concerned because they stick him in a neck brace, putting him on oxygen. Um, there's it's what six or seven minutes of delay. Uh, while they're trying to sort him out. The air that ambulance is, yeah. was in the air just a few minutes later. So, you know, hopefully all precautionary, um, but it, it was a, a real sickener. I mean, especially the fact that he basically collapsed after trying to get up. Um, yeah. There was a very brief moment when they were talking to him and it looked like he was pushing the doctors away. And I was like, you are not going back on the pitch, son. No. I mean, at least concussion protocols are not allowed to do that anymore. But still, I mean, it's just horrible. And then, then United were not at it quick enough. You know, Mar- Martial's on. Then comes the what well, is definitely a foul on him. He's at the ball first, and he's kicked. I mean, anywhere else on the pitch, you'd normally expect a foul because they're both going for it. I don't know if that's the excuse. It is outside the box. He's the last man. I guess, I guess Dean just didn't see. It'd be the nice to. It'd be nice to have a game with Mike Dean refereeing where he's not involved in a piece of controversy in which we get. <laughs> but you know, hey. Um, miracles happen one day uh, and it's yeah I mean it could well have gone a different way with a different referee who said mm, I think that's a foul and I think he's the last man and and presumably VAR wouldn't have overruled that mm. so. yeah uh, yeah so that 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 happened and then and then I um, mean it's just really 
bad defending from Lindelof, I think, like really bad. It's just He's just um, like Giroud, not exactly the quickest. Get the wrong side of him. I mean, it's basic. Yeah. I mean, Giroud is good at getting the wrong side of strike and it looks like he shouldn't be able to and he does it all the time. So he's clearly like decent at doing it. But And then I just, I, I don't know, it's hard. We just hammered De Gea for the second one where he's made an absolutely terrible mistake. This was not great from De Gea by any means, was it? This is the kind it? of thing you'd... Yeah, no, his standards were so high. You'd expect him to save that. You're, you're thinking he's sticking a boot yeah. out and it's another miracle save. And I mean, that's like, uh, he has such a massive bank of credit that you never want to go, oh, bin him and, and be reactionary about it. But if he's not producing the miracle saves and he's chucking one in his net every few games, then, you know, big decisions know. have to be made, don't they? I mean, I don't know how we... You could say it's reactionary when it's two years of very reg. I mean, somebody with more time on their hands than than us should go back and really count this up. Really look at the times when I'm just talking about clear and obvious. I'm just talking about clear and obvious errors. Not even the kind of like. Well, I think he would have saved that once. Um, I think if you include that, I think he would have saved that once you get into a huge number of goals that you could pin on him and certainly moments that have changed the, the, the kind of course of matches and stuff. So yeah, half-time comes. There, there won't be, by the way, just as a, an aside, it will be absolutely astounding if United do business for a keeper this summer. I, I just can't see it happening. And, uh, and mostly it's financial. So he's on this absolutely huge contract really the only place he could go and expect to get those wages is Italy because of the uh, the ta- new tax law they've got there where it costs them sort of 25% less to pay the same wages, um, net wages. I mean, would United do business? They tried to get Anana out of Ajax last summer before b- before Dave committed. Maybe if they, they thought there was a real crisis here, but they they have other priorities. They They... As much as this sort of period of of um, sort of positive results have, have been fantastic in our 1 to 11, mostly, is very strong. Um, beyond, that, Two to it's not, beyond that, it's not enough. I mean, it's not going to close um, enough of a gap to Liverpool and City. You don't, wouldn't expect us to go from fifth, fourth, whatever we, wherever we finish this season to first. Um, and I don't think we should demand that either. But you want to see evolution. The challenge is, of course, as we talked about, Chelsea are, are looking like they're going to really strengthen this summer a lot. So United might have three squads better than ours. And so I think Solskjaer is going to want to weigh all his problems and probably invest elsewhere. Dean Henderson is the name that will be mentioned of course, time and time again. Of course, again. we have I'm a not... very, very competent keeper there. You know, a very yeah. young keeper. And you don't know what happens to him when you stick him into, you know, under the spotlight of of being Manchester United's keeper. No, but if my money was on this anywhere, though, it would be that the day one of twenty one twenty two, Dean Henderson is United's number one. Like that, I can't, I just, I don't see the trajectory of recovery from De Gea after this length of time. No, and, and, and almost, would Henderson, um, would Henderson... Like the really sensible thing for United would be, um, Dean, if you think you're that good, come back and challenge De Gea. You've seen he's making a lot of mistakes. You've got a chance to take the, 
You know, we guarantee you're playing every FA Cup, League Cup, and hopefully not Europa League and yeah. and crappy Champions League game. So you're going to get yeah. 20 games, 25 games or something, and you've got a chance to challenge. Yeah, 20 games if the, 20 games if the if yeah. the cup runs go very well. Maybe not that many, uh, and a few <laughs> yeah. and a few in the league. Whatever. I mean, you know, you're you're going to get some games and a chance to challenge. Are, are you willing? And they may even dangle a new contract in front of him and say, "You're not getting this unless you commit." So. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I think there's a very decent chance that's what will happen. I mean, all the noise is coming out of Henderson that he wants to challenge to hear for the number one spot. I think he might have said there was some. I don't know. Mm. I didn't. I'm just saw some social media stuff. I didn't look into it, so it could be wrong, but. Anyway, I, I think that's I think it's very likely to be the case. I think this is gonna be a big story next season. There's gonna be who's United's number one and and what that what that starts to look like. I think we're gonna see Sulky De Gea on the bench next season. Because the one thing you can say about Solskjaer is he's definitely not afraid of tough decisions. He's definitely not afraid of big decisions. Oh, and that's right. And then United have a player earning £350,000 a week post-COVID <laughs> in which they yeah. may have to pay him off to go. I mean, that's, uh, we're talking a long way down the line. We wouldn't want another De Sanchez, De Sanchez? Sanchez-style problem. But we might get one. A lot of people said when he, he signed up to that new contract that um, this could happen. You know, and yeah, they were absolutely. They had more foresight than me, who was sure that he was going to be back to his best. Yeah. Um. So you allow you're allowed one in every twenty, Ed. You get you get one in every twenty. That's uh, unlike De Gea, who doesn't isn't allowed one in every twenty. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, we can't get through a podcast without calling someone the wrong name or stumbling over our words or whatever. Well, that's you know, right. That's right. Being competent is really hard. So. This is, this is, I always, I don't like having a real go. I, I mean, I think if it's, if it's like they're not making the effort, then they're, they're clearly not putting the shift they should be putting in or whatever, then there's a sort of, it's kind of more natural and easy to call them out on that. But when it's like they're trying their absolute best and failing at a thing they used to do, feels awful to hammer them for it. But that's not the intention at all. The intention is just to say, what, what are the clubs supposed to do at this point? This is, Really, my only intention is to say this is, is a genuinely huge problem that isn't going away. Well, no, sure. I, and I think, you know, we're obviously much more sort of observational than reactionary uh, in, in our analysis. It's not uh, it's not no question about that TV, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, it's, it, it's stacking up to be a huge problem for United. I mean, of course. Um, it's not beyond the wit of, of Solskjaer that he might drop De Gea for Wednesday's game if he thought that his head had gone that much. I mean, Ferguson did it in the 1990 Cup final, if you remember. Jim Layton, yeah. his protege, brought him down from Aberdeen and then binned him for a guy who had been playing at Luton Town before that. So, you know. Absolutely. And honestly, I would be sad for De Gea, but I wouldn't be looking at that going, that's an awful decision to play Romero on Wednesday. Like... I thought it was weird that Romero didn't play today. I think yeah, I mean, there was some talk about him not being quite fit, but he was on the bench, wasn't he? So Right. I think. I don't remember now. <laughs> I think so. No, me I'm neither, sure but I'm sure, I think we would have noticed if he wasn't. So, yeah, this is uh, this the whole rest of the game. I mean, he tried to, the, the, I guess, the one sort of worrying thing from an outfield perspective, Maguire looked completely concussed. Um, Lindelof had a bad game. The... Matic didn't really... Nobody could change the game when it came on, but 
Um, the players that came on didn't change the game, but this is just, I do think it is completely reasonable as a kind of whole performance to say an enormous amount of this is down to the fact that we played on Thursday oh, and I, they played I'm on sure. Tuesday. Yes, and and Bruno played the whole game. He looked shattered at the end. It's deeply worrying. I don't know how much of that lactic you can get out of their legs, you know, and, and uh, now six games in, what, 20 days that they've played. It's, a, it's just a hell of a lot of miles in those in those legs. So they're going to have two days of rest, not a lot of training, probably some tactical work before Wednesday. You really need to do a lot of tactical work against David Moyes' West Ham, but I'm sure they will. Anyway, we should talk about the second half briefly. I mean, you know, the one thing you'd, you'd say about Martial coming on, United shifting to back four, basic, basically playing the formation that has been so successful since we came back was, well, maybe there'll be a response. And there nothing. was nothing, nothing. Mm. So. Just couldn't create anything, just couldn't... couldn't, couldn't and, and Chelsea have very together. effectively managed the game. They've got those two screens there. Jorginho sits deep all the time and and Kovacic had a good game. I mean, I, I can't say I rate him very highly. He seems very ponderous. He's Nemanja Matic without the passing range. Uh, but he had a, he actually had a good game, one of the very few times I've seen him sort of be impressive uh, and and United just you know it's very very crowded and we didn't have the fullbacks who were creating anything no absolutely I, I just thought uh, it's a shame that Williams didn't have a good game I mean it was a terrible mistake for the second goal what even happened for the third goal like I gen- oh god the third goal came from a corner where Maguire just just completely looked like he didn't know what he was doing on the run back I mean the more I say these things out loud the more Harry Maguire played the whole second half of that game with developing concussion, you know, like, I, I mean, he, he makes mistakes, but he doesn't normally look that completely bewildered by what's going on around him for such in like such extended stretches of time. Sure. I mean, got an own goal for the third one, didn't he? Yeah. And that's, that was, that was a little bit, I mean, no, he didn't make a terrible mistake there or anything. I mean, at first, watching that, maybe with a bit of agenda in my head, I did think, should Dave have done better for that? But that one, I think, would have been uh, pretty, pretty remarkable for him, given that it came off Maguire to get anything on that one. Anyway, it was weak from United, generally really sort of lacklustre. And then we got we got a penalty. And got Bruno a penalty, continued. but then didn't do anything after that. So, no. I was, you know, you, it's the Alamo time, right? <laughs> Six up front yeah. and launch it. And... Like, I mean, yeah. I suppose at that point, I mean, uh, Solskjaer obviously decided before the third go- the the penalty went in that the game was lost. He pulled Rashford yeah. off, um, but then, but then with whoever's left on the the pitch at that stage, I mean, you, you had Egalo, Greenwood, Pogba, Martial, plenty of firepower in there, and Bruno, and Bruno. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you kind of expected something, but Chelsea just effect- very effectively managed this game. And um, I, I tried very hard uh, before the game to find the like to not watch the game with Martin Keown uh, because he's just the most reactionary of COCOM. So instead of it, this being well, you know, we'll think about the big picture here. Very good performance from Chelsea today. He he takes that analysis and says, and then tries to make this comparison about where the two managers have gone since the start of the season when United won 4-0. And I was like, what? Anyway, yeah, I, cu- I couldn't turn him off because the no-coms had crowd noise and I'm trying to, what is worse? The completely fake crowd no- noise in a very obviously empty Wembley 
or Martin Keown. It was a toss up, and ra- oh, Radio Five th- Coms sadly was uh, four seconds out. So that that's easy for me. That's a very easy coin flip. That's like I don't like the crowd noise, but the crowd noise doesn't want me. Doesn't make me wish that I was dead. And Martin <laughs> Martin Keown kind of does a little bit. He, well, he makes me better, wish. I mean, just you know, on the yeah thinking darkly here wouldn't, wouldn't it be better to wish martin keown dead than yourself <laughs> well the, the, the thing is the problem yeah this is a good point the problem with listening to martin keown is it makes you wish that humanity was different that's like it just makes you wish human beings were radically different as a species well, that's the thing is with martin, martin keown he's got a bit of a missing link about him hasn't he i've said this before i think it's probably true <laughs> my friend said my friend dom said um he is the out of all the absolutely terrible co-commentators, and there are many. He is the single worst of all of them because he combines saying absolutely stupid things with using like bad metaphor, analogy, and simile, and being really difficult to listen to say anything because of the tone and quality of his voice. It's it's a very bad cocktail, and also for us, he obviously hates man united too and i don't i don't criticize him for that he's meant to hate manchester united it's appropriate and right that he should but um but yeah anyway martin keown not as bad as david de gea in this game martin keown was the second worst thing about it all right so anyway got the penalty can't remember how it happened now uh and bruno scored it Yay. Yeah. Nine goals Good. in 18 appearances, which is yeah. phenomenal. A few, few pens in there, but um, yeah, just anyway. Good for good for Bruno. Not not his yeah. best game for United, not his worst. No, uh, I thought yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought he looked good. I got a lot of like, feedback saying, stop having a go at Bruno. I'm like, never, ever having a go at Bruno. Bruno's amazing. Like, Bruno, Bruno Fernandes' signing has been, well, I think I said on the last podcast, it's been the most radically positive signing at Manchester United since Robin Van Persie. Like, he's amazing. But we can say when he misplaces too many passes and misses a shot from six yards out. One thing that I wanted to say about the last show, by the way, right at the end of the last show, I went, oh, we didn't talk about in the previous game, the game against Southampton, we didn't talk about a dodgy VAR decision. And then I realised that at no point during our coverage of the Palace game did we talk about the Lindelof penalty on Zaha at all. Got the ball. If... <laughs> he clearly got the ball, then got the man, but, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, that was one which uh, was not overturned. It wouldn't have been overturned in either direction, right? That's what that's what we're looking at with that one. Um, so, let's take a monitors, break and then... Monitors solve this. They'd have solved the Martial one today. I think if the referee got over and looked at that on the monitor, he'd have given it. But... Uh, you, what given what? That well, a, f- a foul and potentially a red card. So, so it, he can only if I'm if I'm right, he can only overturn it for a red. Yeah, in that situation that, that right? might because, be right. Yeah, yeah, because he yeah. couldn't just give a free kick. He couldn't from just VAR, give a free kick think. from VAR. Yeah, but yes, I mean, but VAR could have said you might want to look at this. This could be a foul. If it is, it's denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. Go check your monitor. I just think it's better for everyone, basically, because the referee is in control and using the technology to support his decision-making. Don't you have to be in control of the ball for it to be a denial of clear goal-scoring opportunity? 
it's, it's no, I guess it's, not. It's, it's got to be about a foot away from him. Yeah. Um, so he's got to the ball and he's taken out. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, anyway, we were rubbish. That could have turned the game, but it didn't. Instead, we started chucking them in our own net. Um, and one, yeah, one we'll, to forget, I think. Yep, yeah, we'll take a little break and then look forward to one which, please, God. let it be one please, to remember. Please, 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 please. please, please. <laughs> if you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. All right, well, we've right. recovered from our pleading. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know who I'm pleading to. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm uh, at the risk of, um, you know, losing more listeners. Uh, it wouldn't surprise you to learn I am a heathen. I don't, I don't believe <laughs> in, uh, in the man upstairs or anything like that, but uh, I am praying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's what football That's what football. David Moyes uh, robs us of a Champions League play. So results have gone again. our way somewhat. Mourinho did us a solid. Um, yeah. the, the second best thing he's done this week, the first best thing, of course, being the clip that uh, Amazon Prime put out of um, Mourinho's, uh, one of his first team talks with the uh, the Tottenham team. Now, we have a clean tag and Tom beeps me. So, you know, go look at it yourselves. I think you've probably seen it. But uh... By the way, like yet another excuse to bash Jose Mourinho out of the blue for no reason. He's done he's this a solid. I'm saying that it's the second best thing he's done this week. The, no, the no, first I, best I thing was his performance in... The upcoming dramedy pre- that is going to be <laughs> Tottenham was, Hotspur dock. The first best thing was, you know, engineering a win against Leicester. I was prefacing what I was about to say. So, yeah, we're very grateful to Mourinho at the moment because that 3-0 against Leicester put us um, to the point where we're level on goal difference with them, but we're miles behind them on goal scored. So we're going to have to beat. But once we beat West Ham, we'll be ahead of them. If we beat West Ham, we would be ahead of them on goal difference. So... And we'd be going into that game and three points ahead of them. So yes. there's all manner of permutations whereby we could still win the league. If not win the league, finish fourth. Jesus, how far we done fell. Anyway, I was going to preface having a yet another go at Jose Mourinho because actually that thing that he said to the Tottenham players is exactly what's wrong with everything about his management. And clearly is not... I mean, it's A... You'll never get anywhere playing that way nowadays. Nobody gets anywhere playing that way nowadays. You can't just be spiteful and nasty on the pitch uh, to try and win games like that. Just it just doesn't work anymore. I mean, I know. Do you think he tried that? I'd, I'd love to know. Did did he walk into the Manchester United dressing room and say, "You seem like a nice bunch of lads," <laughs> but <laughs> almost certainly, um, yeah. And he 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 let Pogba, Rashford, and Martial out of a game in the Champions League quarterfinal, and then said, well, it's just that United are rubbish in Europe. Like, that's... This man is not to be trusted. Anyway. <laughs> so, so um, Spurs won today 3-0. And massive it, for us. I mean, it's massive for us. And, I mean, <laughs> uh, we haven't talked about XG at all on this show, uh, but 0.69 XG scoring three goals against 1.42. I mean, Leicester weren't bad at all. I mean, they're much nicer on the ball. Uh, just, Tottenham just kept breaking away. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> just such a classic Mourinho performance. Yeah, and that's why they'll never achieve anything under him. Anyway, um, like that Kane finish was unbelievable for the third. Yeah, I mean, oh, no, it's true. I mean, we've goal. had to go at Kane a few times, but he can definitely finish when he's uh, 
when he's fit. It's the fitness yeah. and the number of shots is the problem. Anyway, we're playing West Ham and the pleading was, you know, we're going down, let it not be to a moist side. I mean, we, we had a little question, uh, discussion on, on the uh, no question about that WhatsApp group. What would we prefer, Watford or West Ham winning? So I was in two minds here. So obviously West Ham winning, basically, basically they're safe. Um, I don't think it's mathematically literally. true, but basically, oh uh, no, uh, yeah, no, they they are literally safe because oh, are um, they? It's only Watford yeah. and Villa that that are in it now. Uh, oh no, no, they, they, no, right, yeah, because if Brighton and Watford and Villa all win their games, um, who are Villa playing? And they're playing playing Arsenal and West Ham. So yeah, no, if so long as Brighton and Watford aren't playing each other. Um, then, no, technically, if all those other teams win all their games and West Ham lose both their games and there's a 13-goal swing, they're safe. They are safe. Yeah. They're six points ahead with two games left to play. Yeah, which is kind of an interesting one. So, so they're basically safe. Do they now switch off uh, and play with some freedom? Uh, because they definitely don't play with freedom under David Moyes, got to say. They feel very uptight as a team. Um, or uh, or do they? Does their intensity drop a bit because they're safe? Who knows? I don't know. I'm just well. Uh, I, I'm hoping it's not about West Ham and it's about United finding their form back now. The the thing is, unless if we're absolutely terrible in this game, if we go into this game and we're absolutely terrible, I'd prefer them to be under a load of pressure because then they might make mistakes. But if we play anything like our potential, I'd much prefer them to be playing with freedom rather than them for, to be putting every single ounce of themselves on the line, blocking every shot, throwing themselves into every challenge. You know, I don't. I think of those two choices, I think them being a bit more relaxed suits us better, really, sure. unless we're in terrible, terrible form. I mean, but we might be in big trouble anyway. They've had some anyway. decent results recently as well. I they've, mean, you we beat were, Chelsea, they had their, their draw with Newcastle, which was a pretty good game. Um, and they beat Norwich and they beat Watford, so they're, they're on the uptick. So, yeah, you were you were saying they don't play with freedom, but they scored three goals against Chelsea, two goals against uh, Newcastle, four goals against Norwich, and three goals against Watford. So, and Mikel Antonio, Mikel Antonio scored four goals against Norwich. It's unbelievable. He's, I mean, I didn't see that game, um, but some some good goals in there. He he was very good in the, the game against. Um, Newcastle and very good against Watford as well. I mean, he's a he's a winger who's played at fullback and wing w- wing back for West Ham, and he's now playing up front. Yeah, um, but he looks very natural there. I mean, he puts the ball in front of him, obviously, sure. and he might not get much of that against United at Old Trafford with United having sixty percent of the ball or something like that. But um, he can also do the kind of thing that Lindelof especially doesn't like and, and get pretty physical. You know, so it's it's not beyond the rounds of possibility that you could target Lindelof and they could get the ball up to him quickly, which I suspect will be their their route to trying to create stuff. Absolutely, and I think I think the chances of them scoring against us are relatively high. So I think this is all about how do our front five perform. That's what we just desperately have to hope is that there's enough um, energy in the tank. Which I think now they've they've got a couple of days. To kind of have a little half breather. I mean, get I know the ice they're, they're bath not... and get the masseuse out. Either yeah. allowed one. I'm not sure they are. Uh, Rashford. Well, the physios can do stuff, can't they? So maybe they can do all that business. Um, 
Rashford had the few minutes rest at the end. Wambasaka had the few minutes rest at the end. They were both the the two that you would say were absolute. Well, apart from the defense centre backs, definite starters against West Ham that started this game. Um, so we're we're gonna see. I'm sure we'll see Wambasaka, Lindelof, and Maguire. There's no choice because obviously Bailly's not playing. Um, then Matic, Bruno, Pogba. Probably Greenwood, I'd say. James didn't exactly do enough to get that place back. I'm sure it'll um, be Greenwood. I mean, it's going to be the... Yeah, the I Rashford think you can pick the side now, um, yeah. unless there's any reaction. Um, yeah. I mean, Matic played... Did he play the whole game today or did he come off? can't remember. Yeah. He, no, no, he played the whole game. Which is a worry because his performances definitely drop when he's tired. Uh, but he will yeah. start. Uh, and uh, I assume Brandon Williams will start left back. I mean, didn't... Cover himself in glory today, but he's the only choice, really. Um, so yeah, I, well, th- I think you can well, basically pick the whole side. I mean, I, I would pick Williams. Obviously, I think I think he will pick Williams. But Fosu Benza played better against Palace than Williams played against Chelsea. I, I don't think that will mean Fosu Benza gets in the team. No, you but... want the attacking outlet there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you're yeah. All... you're blocking up one side of the pitch. Basically, I mean, he didn't he didn't do anything with the ball and attack Williams in this Today, game. Today, no. Neither did anyone, no. It's absolutely... God, it was so bad. Anyway, um, yeah, so I wouldn't... If, we, if we'd lost today, but we hadn't looked completely all at sea and lost, then I, I'd feel a bit more optimistic about this one. The, the one thing that I'm kind of repeatedly hanging my hat on is just that sheer... The sheer relative lack of time to prepare for this game compared to Chelsea and the sheer kind of exhaustion... One thing probably we didn't talk about that's worth mentioning that did seem a little strange. I should say I listened to the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer interview with Jake Humphrey boo, on his po- podcast called the High Performance Podcast, which is borderline slightly insufferable. But um, the Solskjaer interview is really good um, and kind of heard a bit more of that Solskjaer at Mulder that I've talked about a thousand times on this show. That kind of impressive person who knows his own mind and knows what he's trying to do and clearly is doing something in a leadership capacity now, right now at United. Um, but anyway, uh, I can't even remember why I started saying all that. I, th- I think it was a love-in with Jake Humphrey. No, it wasn't. No, it definitely wasn't that. No, it was um, to make a point about uh, the what he said about Lingard in the press conference. Because he said Lingard's in with a real chance of starting. Jesse knows we really value that he has qualities that other players don't have. And then Lingard didn't even make the bench. So maybe there might have been an injury. If there wasn't an injury, that's borderline crawl. <laughs> yeah, just big him up and then ditch him. I mean, it's you don't make the bench when you have nine subs. There's a message for you. Did did when? Uh, sorry, did uh, Dallow make the bench today? Not sure. Didn't look. Um, but yeah. So I guess Jesse Lingard's not going to start this game. It will be that starting eleven. I suspect if United have their way, Jesse Lingard will never start a game for the club again. Yeah, and well, unless he plays in the home, the dead rubber against Lask, (laughs) or the dead rubber against Leicester, because we've beaten West Ham seventeen nil. So we should we should like just like lay out exactly what the percent what the position is right now in the Premier League. So Leicester have played a game more than us. This is our game in hand over them now. Um, they have scored 67 and conceded 39. We've scored 63 and conceded 35. So goal differences are identical. Points tally, obviously, is identical. 
What this means is if we win this game, we are three points ahead of Leicester with better goal difference going into the final game against Leicester, which will mean, uh, which will, you know, it's a big if because we, we might not win this game. A draw is completely useless. A draw and a win are the same in this game because there's no permutation whereby uh, one point, uh, like being... Is that even true, what I said? Oh, yeah, it is true. Because well, no, then... I mean, a draw means that we can go to Leicester and draw. And No, but it, it does, doesn't it not mean that? No, it does. Oh, no, Leicester yeah, got one game left. Yeah, okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's right. I, I, this is why I wanted to have this conversation, because I keep Unless draws for Leicester count double. We're, we're all right. Which maybe, yeah, they were, okay. maybe they do. Um, so, no, no, so a, basically, a draw is not an awful result if, I mean, we'd then be in the, the quandary of do you go for the win, do you go for a draw? And, and you know, almost the situation where we, as long as we don't lose, we're fourth worries me a bit because I'm just like, oh, are we going to go a bit defensive? I mean, we're so much better defensively when we're attacking. So. But so the, the only way that doesn't happen if I've done the maths right, is um, if we lose to West Ham, then we have to beat uh, Leicester. Yeah. Or if we absolutely smash West Ham, but even if we beat them, like say we beat them 3-0, then we just have to lose to Leicester by less than 3-0. Um, and like that doesn't, that seems like an even worse stick or twist position. Um so anyway, yeah. Well, w- w- I guess what I'd like is for us to absolutely nail West Ham just because it's Moyes. It's a shame we can't relegate them, but maybe that you know seventeen goal difference swing could happen if we absolutely nail them, um, and then we we um, we then have a bit of cushion for something crazy happening, like Dave chucking one into his own net or Leicester suddenly finding the form, one going in from 40 yards out, you know, all of the, those kind of things that could happen. Mm. Yeah. So goals. Goals. Like Lots of goals. goals. That's what yeah, we need. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's our deep tactical analysis of this one. Smash them. Yeah. I mean, talking of tactical analysis, we kind of know what we're going to get from Moyes. They, they've they've played quite similarly. They're playing 4-2-3-1, I guess you would say. Um, and Declan Rice will be in that centre of midfield, putting a lot of pressure on Nemanja Matic in particular. And I wonder whether they won't have seen that Southampton game and gone, actually, put a lot of pressure on various different well, it's outlets. It's not just Rice, it's Suchek as well. He gets around a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, neither of them are technically superb players. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm in the camp of Declan Rice is massively overrated. Um I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe Pep signs him up and turns him into a world class ball playing centre back or something like that. It could happen, but uh, it doesn't look like a fifty million pound defensive midfielder to me. Uh, but they will both buzz around uh, Matic for sure, for sure, and they'll try and get it from back to front quickly into um, Mikel Antonio. But if we can get on the front foot and apply some pressure to them, then I mean this is. I don't even know why I'm saying this out loud. We can do this to any team. If we get on the front foot with our good players getting, you know, and applying pressure, we yeah. are unbelievably dangerous. And, so. and and I think what you want to do, um, so Diop and Ogbonna, and neither of them are bad players, right? But it's on the turn that they do suffer. Right? Like chucking it in the air is next to useless, uh, which we don't do anyway. No. Uh, but you wouldn't expect to get a lot out of that. So 
I think, uh, you know, the quick one-twos around their back four and they're going to be in trouble. Aaron Cresswell's not had a good season. I think he's a good player. He's a better player than he's shown, but he's not had a good season. And they started Ben Johnson, who's a kid. I don't know whether they'll oh, yeah. do it. Um, you know, cue obvious jokes about Ben Johnson in the Olympic Stadium when they lined up against... Uh, obvi- <laughs> obvious jokes if you're really, really old. I was thinking like, oh, I can't believe his parents called him Ben's and he's Ben Johnson. And then I was like... Well, his parents are probably so young they don't even remember Ben Johnson, which is the whole thing. So that was the 88 Olympics. So, yes, he was yeah. born after 88 for sure. Yeah, he's like oh, 18 yeah, or 19, a, isn't he? He wasn't born after, like, born after 88. He was probably born considerably into the millennium that we're currently in. Like, you've got to, we've got to just do a big reset on when everything was. Um, it's a long, long time ago. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's hope. Talking of a long time ago, it's a long time that David Moyes, long time ago that David Moyes managed United. Still not over the wounds, it. Still not the wounds over haven't it. healed. No. No. His six-year contract would be up by now, though. Um, let's uh, let's hope we put a dent in their safety party, <laughs> um, and I, I and we take the fifth on on predictions. Has it got to the point in the season where, like? I'm not We're going to smash them. That's man. my prediction. We are going to smash okay. them. All right, great. What's the score going to be, Ed? It's a 14-goal swing is required for West Ham to go down from this point. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do seven could, of could them. Could happen. Yeah, we'll um, do seven of them. And three, we'll leave 3-0 seven to United. Comfortable 3-0 win. I, I, Honestly, that would be an absolute dream. I cannot conceive that this team that has blown so many opportunities and always does it the hard way, right? Man United The good thing the is way. we play first, then Chelsea play. Okay. So unless we're yeah. going to pre-blow it. No, it doesn't count because Leicester have blown it. Like Leicester have given us this massive opening. So we are going to step onto the rake that's hidden in the middle of the doorway. I'm going to predict a 2-1 loss to West Ham for us. Uh, we're going to lose 2-1 to them, forcing us into a absolutely terrifying last day showdown which would be this time next week so next and, the, Sunday, and then, they come thick and fast we won't have a cup final so we'll get a little bit of um a break before the europa league starts now um so yeah, the cup final is on the first of august we don't play again until the fifth so we're gonna get a whole week off More, i am um, nine days I was really sad to realise that if you'd given me the choice between the FA Cup final and fourth place, I would have bitten your hand off for fourth place. And I feel very disappointed in myself that that's the case. But it's just... It's you just, missed your call. Arsenal fan TV is exactly. out there for you. But it is it is to do with being a content creator. What an awful phrase that is. But it is to do with doing this. It's, this it's slightly only- better as a phrase than influencer. Are you an influencer right. as well, Paul? No, I'm not. Um, but this is like, it's it's because we do this and the Europa League sucks so bad <laughs> when you do this. Like, that's the only reason if it wasn't for that. I no, no, I think less. it's also important for the quality of football, the players, yeah, yeah, and also yeah, the, yeah. just the development of the club. And I know it's, it's, you know, I always have a sort of mental dichotomy when I'm thinking about development of the club because I know in the end... Hey, happy club making lots of money it just means the Glazers get to fleece more out of it. But uh, yeah. there is really no scenario in which they just disappear um, in some kind of fire sale. So we're stuck with them. So the the best thing we can hope for is that you know the stars align, 
we win on uh, Wednesday. We don't lose big enough to Leicester that um, don't make fourth. And Wolves don't win the... Um, well, I think it would take... Oh, God. Oh, Wolves and, Wolves City, and Chelsea City win, winning the... No, City win the Champions City League. City win the Champions League, Wolves win the Europa League, and actually fourth place wouldn't be good enough. Something like that. <laughs> oh, God. Please, now there's a please. Please don't let that happen. If that happens, I don't know, we just give up, right? That's that's the end of NQAT, <laughs> if that happens. If we're not in the Champions League next season, because we finished fourth and then City won that and they won that. And anyway, or maybe there's something to do with the... No, there's not, I was going to say maybe there's an FA Cup thing that saves us with City getting knocked out, but no, um, because this is not to do with the Europa League places, is it? It's to do with... The number of players. Well, you can only have five. You can, and you yeah. have five. And, so and you can't anyway, have six. I can't remember. I don't know whether we've got it exactly right, but there is a permutation in which United are in big trouble. Yeah. So if we had the top four plus Wolves, that would be okay. So I think I, I think actually that's fine. Okay. So um, yes, actually maybe it is Chelsea. Chelsea would have to drop out of the top four. Yeah. So if Chelsea they play Chelsea Liverpool fifth, and then yeah, who they play on the last day, it could happen. <laughs> could yeah. happen. Well, they'll be in. They'll be in a, a good mood, won't they? After this, they play Liverpool and then Wolves. Yeah. Anyway, um, that is a cliff to fall off at a later date. For now, we'll just bemoan the fact that the FA Cup final, the FA Cup, is dead. Um, yeah, dead. never liked it. Anyway, um, before we go, just just a quick word about Nigel Pearson sacked by Watford. Well, should we talk about that in some depth on the backers' content? When we yeah, do why not? We will do, roundup. but um, uh, yes, because we'll cover the week's games, but. They'll be now be onto their fourth manager. I don't know who they've appointed, so presumably his assistant uh, as their fourth manager this season. Um, hoping they can pull something out from games against uh, Arsenal and Manchester City. Yeah, good luck. All right. Um, yeah, back as stay tuned. We're going to talk all the football that's fit to print. Nobody's going to want to hear this after what's just happened, but uh, we'll do it anyway. And everyone else, we will see you after. The Leicester game, the podcast is not going to be out on the Thursday because I can't record immediately after the Leicester game. I've got to record it and then watch the match later that night. So we'll record on the Thursday and the pod will come Part out on Friday. Yeah, Unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. Probably I like mean, doing work. Yeah, I literally mean. literally part-timer because my full-time job is what I'll be doing when the game's on. Anyway, um, thanks everyone. We'll speak to you on Friday. Okay, bye now. Thank you.